Take your Bibles and turn to Isaiah chapter number 40. Isaiah chapter number 40. I love this passage of Scripture, and I think it's great for us every once in a while to refocus ourselves on God. I think often in life, even if we're regularly attending church, regularly reading our Bibles, it's easy to get out of focus at who God really is. I think it's easy for us to really forget the God that we serve on a day-to-day basis and, and really just honestly how big He is, how powerful He is, how mighty He is. We for often in our daily lives, we forget that. And because we forget that, we lose hope sometimes. Because we take our eyes off of how big God is and how powerful and how sovereign and how mighty He is, we often think about how big our problems are. And how our problems can be so affected by things in our life that we forget that we serve and that we have a mighty, mighty God. Isaiah chapter number 40, let's start in verse number 12. This is Isaiah speaking. Who hath measured the water in the hollow of his hand and meted out heaven with a span and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in scales and hills in a balance? Who hath directed the spirit of the Lord? Or being his counselor hath taught him. With whom took he counsel and who instructed him or taught him in the paths of judgment and taught him knowledge and showed to him the way of understanding. Behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket and are counted as the small dust of the balance. Behold, he taketh up the isles or the islands as a very little thing. And Lebanon, uh, which was a place with many uh, mighty trees, and Lebanon is not sufficient to burn, nor the beast thereof. They have the biggest beast because they use these beasts to haul these massive trees, nor the beast thereof sufficient for a burnt offering. All nations before him are as nothing. They are counted to him as less than nothing in vanity. To whom... Then will you liken God, or what likeness will you compare unto Him? God is bigger. And you may fill in the blank after that statement, but it is true no matter what blank that you would place there. No matter what word you would put there, God is bigger than fill in the blank. God is bigger than your problems. God is bigger than your sin. God is bigger. And I think it's important for us every once in a while in our Christian lives to refocus on exactly who God is. We are often criticized for having a small view of God. Um, Christians are often criticized because of that, because they see Christians, and then they see how many Christians don't live by what they believe. So they say, well, they don't have uh, a very big God. They have a small God, but may I submit that we just have sometimes a small faith in a big God. But better to have a small faith in a big God than to have a big faith in a God that does not exist. And that's what the majority of this world lives in. They have this massive faith. You think of the Mormon faith. You think of even the Catholic faith. Uh, you think of, of Jewish people who don't believe that Christ is the Messiah. They, as a religious sect, ha- sect have this massive faith in what they, what they do, what they believe. And they hold strenuously to each and every jot and tittle of the commandments that are given in the Book of Mormon, or the commandments that are given in the Word of God to uh, confess your sins that the priests would talk about in the First and Second Maccabees. And they, they, they have this great, great faith in a God who is not real. Christian, may I submit, even if you have small faith 
in the real God of the Bible tonight, you have a greater faith than any other religion because yours is the true faith. Yours is the true faith in the true God and the Savior, His Son, Jesus Christ. A person has accurately said, tell me what you think of God and I can tell you what is the trajectory and the direction of your life. And this is so true. If you have a high view of God, you will have a high purpose in your life. If you truly realize who God is, you'll have a high purpose in your life and you're going to live uh, pursuing that mighty God in your mind that you, you picture as that is God. You're going you're to want to pursue Him. You're going to want to get to know Him more. You're going to have this high view of God. Then you're going to have a high and a holy living. You're going to pursue, pursue God with all you have. If you have a low view of God, may I say this? This is very easy in our churches today, and, and I would say even in this church, if you grew up in this church, it's easy to have a small view of God because we have been described God in very elementary terms. And once we get saved, there's not much ambition sometimes for us to grow deeper in the Word of God. Therefore, we maintain that same small view that we had of God even as we were children and now we're teenagers. That's a problem. We need to, as we grow up, grow deeper in our relationship and our finding out of exactly who God is. But a low view of God leads to meaningless worship. Um, It it leads to worship that, that whenever you sing words in a song, they're just words, right? If you don't really think about you actually singing that to God because you don't have much faith in, in the big God that we have, they're just words, right? And you're singing and there's nothing happening in your heart. There's no, there's no real worship. By the way, did you know this? Um, this is a separate message that's coming to you later. Worship simply means worth-ship. You're showing, by worshiping God, you're showing Him what He's worth to you. And God should be worth your all. Therefore, when you worship, you give Him your all. You completely focus on God unless you're singing the mid-bleak winter, then I'll give an exception because that's a, <laughs> such a sad song and, and one that we don't know the words to. So I'll give you an exception for that one. But a low view of God also leads to sloppy commitments. Um, it, it leads to us getting really excited about God at camp maybe. Um, and then we, we're all excited about, okay, everyone around me is following God. I'm going to follow God to m- the greatest of my ability. And then we get home and guess what? Our small view of God leads us back into the lifestyle that we had before because we don't realize that the same God, the same big God that was mighty at camp can be mighty at my home and at my home in my life when I go home from camp. That is a small view of God. Um, it, it leads to this low level of Christian living where we don't read our Bibles much because we don't want to get to know God because we view Him as small in our mind. It's not that big, big of a part of our life. Um, it, I love what Adrian Rogers said. I I wish I could remember the quote that he said the other day to a message. I'm always listening to him, but he said this wonderful quote. He was talking about the inner workings of our body. And I think if you were to know what's going on inside of you right now, you would freak out, right? If you were able to see your heart beating and you just imagine, what if that stopped? What if that stopped for even a couple minutes? You'd be dead. If you were to imagine the blood flowing to all the different veins and the muscles that that connect all of the different kind of tissues and all of the many, many bones that you have, and you were to imagine uh, not even being born with some of those, it, it would be crazy. You would be freaking out all the time just thinking, my body's doing all this. Man, if I stop focusing on this, is it going to keep working? We're going we're gonna to get crazy about this, right? But we walk through life not realizing that we were wonderfully made by God that we're a creation of His, and it leads to a low base of living if we don't realize that God is the reason that we take every breath. 
God is the reason that our heart beats every beat, and we have a mighty God, and God is bigger than you fill in the blank. You may say, well, God's not bigger than my problem right now. God's, God is much bigger than your problem right now. God's, God's not bigger than the, uh, the, the relational issue, issue that I'm going through right now, the, the relationship issue that I'm going through. Yeah, he is. He's much bigger. Uh, God is not as big as my parents' divorce that they're going through. Yes, he is. God is not big. Uh, he's not as big as these huge decisions I have to make for college next year. Yeah, he is. And guess what? The same God that's bigger than all of those things is the same God that can walk with you through each of those sections of life that you're going through. So let's focus on that God tonight. Let me ask you this. How big is your God? How big is your God? In your mind right now, the picture that you have of God, the part that He plays in your life, if you were to sit down in a chair and really think about it, how big is the God that I think I worship? How big is the God that I put my faith in? How big is that God. Listen, teenagers, your whole life should be a searching and a, a growing of understanding of who that God is that saved you. Has God given us liberty? Uh, has God given us freedom of sins that we might? Has God given us that liberty that we live in the Christian life? We have freedom of sins. We have uh, free will. We have personal liberty in our life. Has He given that as an occasion for the flesh? God forbid. Right? God forbid. That's what Paul says. So let's focus our eyes on God tonight and how God is bigger. Let's notice three mighty attributes of this great God shown in Isaiah 40. By the way, this brings you hope. Why does this bring you hope? Because this is the same God that is with you today. And this is pretty insane. And I hope that you walk out of this room tonight realizing that in that Bible that you have in your lap or you have on your phone right now, in that Bible, you can know who God is. You can find out more about God. And teenager, look up right here. That is the greatest treasure in life. Knowing who God is, finding out more about God. Right now I'm reading First and Second Samuel, and I am amazed about how God has talked about, how, how David interacts with it, how Solomon interacts with it. There's so much about God in the passage, and it's amazing. Teenager, I hope you get to know the joy of actually searching your Bible. And if you don't know how to search your Bible, take one of these books today. It's a great small explanation. It's a quick read explanation of how to study your Bible. But first attribute of God uh, tonight, God's infinite power. God is infinitely power. Infinite means never-ending. Right? Infinite. Uh, space is infinite. There is no ending of space. Um, if you were to travel in space today, it's not like you're going to eventually hit a wall. Right? Uh, it, it's not like you're eventually going to be stopped by some uh, crazy force or go to a place where you see no stars. Space is, by all scientific means, infinite. God is infinite in power. God is very, very very powerful, and that doesn't even begin to explain how powerful God is. Look at verse number 12. By the way, do you guys remember the Louis Giglio sermons that we showed in here, the, the lessons that we did in Sunday school? He talked about the different star sizes. This is another good example to show how big God is, but I'm going to give a different example now through the Scripture. It says in verse number 12, "...who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand." When it says waters there, it's speaking of the waters that are contained on the whole planet. The hollow of the hand is this right here, your palm. This is the hollow of your hand. So I want you to read that again, all right? 
Who hath measured the waters in the hollow of His hand? Okay, It's giving us an example of how infinitely powerful God is. Isaiah is saying God is so big, God is so mighty, that He measured all of the waters on the earth in the hollow of His hand. It goes on to say, and meted out heaven with a span. A span is the distance between your thumb and your smallest finger, your pinky. This is a span. Uh, this is how uh, things were measured even in olden days. Uh, they would say, uh, how big is that? They would say it's three spans. And if you were a kid, it'd be like 10 spans, right? Uh, they, they, this was uh, just a span. This is uh, something that God is saying. He measured out the heavens. Speaking of all of the known space and all of the space that we don't know, God measured those out with a span. The way that many uh, people that study space the way that many people study stars often measure by the light year. Now, this should blow your mind, okay? A light year. Don't just, all right, come back to me, all right? Don't just zone out at this. This is actually pretty impressive, all right? The way many astronomers often measure is by the light year. Light travels, you probably learned this in like elementary school or seventh grade science. Light travels, can someone tell me? How fast does light travel? The speed of light. What is the speed of light? What, did you say? 186,000 miles per second. Miles per second. Not miles an hour. Miles per second. That is over 670 million miles per hour. That is how fast light travels. If you think your mom or your dad drives fast, this is like a lot fat even if you're late to school this is like a lot faster than that right 670 million miles per hour is very fast all right a light year is how fast light travels in a year which calculates to 5.88 trillion miles 5.88 trillion miles is how fast light travels in a complete Year. Now, you cannot wrap your mind around how much even one trillion is, but 5.88 trillion miles equals one light year. The foot, in comparison with 5.88 trillion miles, is laughable. The yard is utterly useless. The, the mile is very insignificant, right? And God can measure out all of the known heavens and all of the unknown heavens with a span. God is big. And Isaiah is illustrating here that if you think you have problems that are too big for God, this is the God that held and holds the waters of all of the planet in the hollow of His hand, and He meets out heaven with a span. God is very big. This should give us one feeling. This should give us the feeling of insignificance. And man, we are in comparison with God's creation, right? We are so very insignificant. We're so small. Uh, we're here, not only are we small in size compared to a light year, but we're small in comparison with the years that are uh, even here. If we believe, and we're young day creationists, even if we believe the earth has been here 6,000 years, we're going to live to maybe 80, maybe 90 if we're lucky, 100 years old, right? Maybe, no, not lucky, maybe 
I'd like to go at like 90. I don't know. I don't know when I'd like to go, but uh, if we're lucky, we're here, let's say, a maximum of 110 years. Let's say you find this really cool uh, plexus drink that makes you live until you're 110 years old. And that's so small, right? Compared to 6,000 years, compared to when God began to create that. I mean, that, that is so insignificant. That is so crazy that, that we are so small, we are so insignificant. And think about you in size. Have you seen um, Google Maps? Uh, one of their advertisements years ago was uh, they, they would zoom out and show the planet, and then they would start zooming in and zooming in and zooming in. And for like a whole minute, they'd be zooming in until it gets to a person that's on their phone on Google Maps. It's pretty impressive. And it makes you think, wow, we are just a small piece in this massive earth, and God measures out the heavens with a span. But teenager, look right up here. Never forget that that same God that can measure out the waters on the earth in the hollow of His hand and measures heaven with a span, sent His only Son, who was 100% God, the same being, three persons. He sent the same one to a manger, which is why we're celebrating Christmas, to be born. And eventually those very hands that we're talking about today, those very same hands that share the Godhead were the hands that were spread on a cross and were nailed to that cross for your sin. Aren't you glad that we serve a God that is a personal God? A God that, that isn't just some Buddha that we pray to. It's not some Muhammad that we pray to. We pray to a God that loves us so much that He died for us. That He sent His only begotten Son that we might have life in Christ and that we might have it more abundantly. Isaiah 59.1 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, neither is ear heavy, that it cannot hear. The same hand that spanned the galaxies is the same hand that is not short to save. You say, God can never save my parents. My parents are too far gone. Yeah, he can. But God can never save my friends. Pastor Scotty, you don't know how bad this friend is. You don't know what kind of lifestyle they're living. Let me say this. Maybe you don't have the right perspective on God that you should. Maybe we don't have the right view of God because if we've truly viewed how mighty God is, we truly know that there's nothing our God cannot do. My God is so big. My God is so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do for you, right? Our God is so, so big. Let's not forget that tonight. He is infinite in power. Uh, he is infinite in power. And secondly, I'm going to skip some here. This message has much more to it. Our God's power is infinite, but His wisdom is inconceivable. God has inconceivable wisdom. Look at verse number 13. Who hath directed the Spirit of the Lord? The answer is no one. Or being His counselor, didn't happen. Hath taught Him, never happened. With whom took he counsel? He didn't take counsel with anyone. And who instructed him and taught him in the path of judgment and taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? The answer is no one, no, no, no one showed God knowledge. What is Isaiah saying here? He's saying that you as a child, you had to be taught. Every piece of knowledge that you have has been passed down. There's nothing new, as older people will tell you, there's nothing new under the sun. Right? You are relearning knowledge that has previously been learned. You have learned knowledge. God never had to learn. God just exists. Right? God is an infinitely powerful, 
all-powerful, mighty being that is all wisdom, and we cannot conceive this wisdom. He has perfect wisdom. Luke 12, 7 says, But even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, ye are more valuable than many sparrows. Not only is God uh, such a mighty wisdom uh, being, but God not only just knows everything, but He knows how many hairs are on your head at this moment. Right? Isn't that crazy? Have you ever tried to count them? You can start, but you won't finish, right? Because one will fall out right when you count the last hair. And then you'll just be all ruined, right? And then you'll cry. It'd be sad. But God knows exactly how many hairs are on your head right now. Isn't that crazy? And God says that there's not a sparrow that's flying out there that God doesn't see it when it goes to the ground. God knows everything. He knows it all. Psalm 139, 2 through 3 says, Thou knowest mine down-sittings and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought from afar off. Thou compassest my uh, path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. Psalm 147, 4, He telleth the number of the stars and He calleth them by their names. If we counted each star just in our Milky Way galaxy, it would take us 2,500 years to count them all if we counted them one per second. 2,500 years, if you sat in your backyard and you were able to see every star that is just in our Milky Way, just this little neighborhood galaxy that we have, and we know by the Hubble telescope that it goes far beyond the Milky Way galaxy, and there's galaxies out there that we don't even know how many stars there are, it would take you 2,500 years if you didn't sleep any and you counted one per second. God not only knows the number of their stars, but God has a name for each one of those stars. It's amazing in Genesis chapter 1 when God was created creating, that it says in a simple statement, and God created the heavens also, or God, was it the stars or the heavens? I believe it was the stars. And God created the stars also. In one little statement, God says, oh, oh, and I created the stars as well. This is a mighty God that has infinite wisdom, that has inconceivable wisdom. This is a wise God. James 1.5, if any of you lack wisdom, that same wise God, remember, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not that he doesn't hold it back and it shall be given him. You need to know this, that when you go into prayer with God, he is not your magical rabbit's foot that 50-50, maybe God will answer this. You are talking to the all-wise, all-infinite, all-powerful God of the universe, the multiverse, everything that there is, that is the person that you're talking to and because you know Christ, you are able to boldly go into the throne room of grace where you can pray to your heavenly Father. Isn't that amazing? But let me ask this, why don't you pray? If you have access to this God that infinitely knows everything and you as a Christian can go boldly into the throne room of grace, why aren't us as Christians praying like we should? Oh God, that He would convict us of that. God, this God that is inconceivable in His wisdom, that is infinite in His power, is lastly immense. He has immense Glory. Look at verses 15 through 17. Behold, the nations are as a drop of a buck and are counted as a small dust of the balance. Behold, he taketh the isles or the islands as a very little 
thing. Uh, Behold, the nations are as a drop of the bucket. Back to verse number 15. Uh, This is speaking of a drop, not just coming out of the bucket. Read the verse again. Behold, the nations are as a drop of the bucket. This is speaking of the condensation, not even the water that is in the bucket. This is speaking of the... This is funny. Don't say that God doesn't have a sense of humor. God's saying the nations aren't even a drop of the bucket. They are a drop outside the bucket that falls off. That's what the nations are to God. When you realize what that meant in Isaiah's day, these mighty nations that Israel feared, if you realize what I'm reading First and Second Samuel right now, if David were to see that and he said, oh, wait a minute, these, these nations that I'm battling against, these nations that are coming against me are as small as the water that comes out of the outside of the bucket. Look, teenager, you're growing up in a wonderful country and that's wonderful. And we should be happy that we live in America. That's awesome. But you have to realize that America, and if this offends one of you that, that is greatly an American, I'm a patriot as well. I love my country. I love it. I, I'm loyal to my country as much as the Bible commands me to be. However, let me tell you this. Compared to God, America is as a drop of the bucket. That's it. America's not in heaven, Right? So let's watch how we worship. Let's, let's watch that we don't give too much glory to earthly things because God says that all these mighty nations, they're just a drop of the bucket and we're supposed to be loyal to our country, sure. And God has a lot to say about Israel and how those people are supposed to be loyal to their country. God has a lot to say, uh, but we're running out of time here. Let, let's move on. He says, and are counted as a small dust in the balance. Okay, all these nations, a, a small dust. Really? A small, you couldn't have just said dust. God says, not just are they a piece of dust, they are a small piece of dust. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? God says, not just a drop on the outside of the bucket, not just a piece of dust, but a small piece of dust. And then he says, in Lebanon is not sufficient to burn, nor the beast thereof sufficient for a burnt offering. Um, the significance, significance comes to, from the context in which Lebanon was known for its large trees. Uh, trees uh, maybe even much bigger than the redwoods that we see today. We don't know, right? Uh, trees, some of these trees may even be in existence today somewhere. We don't know how big these trees are, but they were the biggest of the day. And not only were they the biggest of the day, God says, if you were to burn all of the trees in Lebanon, they are not sufficient as a burnt offering. And if you were to take all of the beasts of Lebanon, and these were the mightiest and the strongest and the largest of beasts, and you were to sacrifice them, they are not a sufficient offering. And he is foretelling here, Isaiah is showing, that no amount of sacrifice can take our sins away. The only sacrifice that is able to take our sins away is Jesus Christ's finished work on the cross. And God in His infinite wisdom, God in His power, and God in His glory has provided that for us. You cannot offer God any, you cannot offer anything to God to take away your sins. You can't. God has to do the work through His Son, Jesus Christ. Isaiah 55. 53, verse number 5, But He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him, and with His stripes we are healed. Lastly, all nations before Him are as nothing. They are counted to Him as less than nothing. Do you get that? Not just nothing, less than nothing. That's crazy, right? That God, God is just showing us that the things that we esteem great in our uh, human governments 
and our little uh, sects of life that we, these the small areas of life that we live in, the things that we esteem great in comparison with God are not so great, right? The things that we esteem mighty are not so mighty. God is the holy, infinite, powerful God of heaven that God sent His Son to dwell with us and that we might believe on Christ. God is showing the nation of Israel that all of these huge nations, in Isaiah number 40, there's huge nations coming against Israel. And what is God showing to the nation of Israel? Don't worry about those nations. Don't worry about people that are coming against you for evil. God's got this taken care of. Those nations are less than a small piece of dust. Those nations are as a drop of the outside of the bucket. Those nations are as a small piece of dust. They are nothing and less than nothing. God is with you. God counts as them, the nations going against Israel this time as less than nothing. And by the way, I think God is showing here as well that when God is on your side, you've got a pretty good person on your side, right? Uh, when God is on your, you want God on your team, right? If you are on God's team, if you're a Christian, you have nothing to fear. Uh, Israel at this time had nothing to fear for God was with them. If you're a Christian, you have nothing to fear for God is with you. God is big, God is mighty, and God is our King. Will you just trust God? Teenagers, I, I heard this in a recent TV show, and it made me think a lot of you guys. They said they were talking about a young man, and the, parent, or the grandparent would always say about the boy, there's a great man in there, we just have to get him to 26, and then we can pull that man out, right? And I'm sure the older people in the room get what he's saying there. If we could just get them out of adolescence, if we could just get them to have a serious mind, there's a good man in there. When I look out at you guys, I think there's a great Christian in there. They just need to trust God. They just need to read God's Word, and God will bring that great Christian out, right? God, God is able to do that even as a young teenager. God can make you into an awesome Christian who trusts in a mighty God. And it won't be because you're awesome, but because God is awesome. God not only has inconceivable wisdom, infinite power, He has immense glory, and He wants to share all of these things with you today by a relationship with Jesus Christ. Everyone bow your heads and